0: everybody, my name is Bill Keeper, and I want to welcome you to our podcast, Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. I believe the Bible is a book that God gave to us that's full of insights, wisdom, promises, and many other things that help us live daily life. So join me for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God to find that practical wisdom we need today. the enemy to condemn fight, his righteousness will well, praise God. Welcome again to Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. My name is Bill Kiefer, and we want to share things with you that are going to be a practical help in the world where we live today. Thank God we have heaven as an eternal home. We've got something better coming for our our eternal future, if you will. But, you know, God is concerned about where we are today. And He gave us His Word really more to help us and show us how to live here than to show us how to live in heaven. Once we get in heaven, that's going to be a whole different ball game. There's no devil there, hallelujah. There's no weeping, crying, all those kind of things are gone. But today, I don't know about you, but I'm looking around me today and I see a bunch of stuff that I need to deal with and things that we need to overcome and all kinds of opposition to living a godly life. And so that's why we're here. We're here to share things that we find in the Word of God that are going to help you live today. Not in the sweet by and by, but in the rotten here and now. Now listen, if you're not born again, we want you to get in on that. All you have to do is believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And that doesn't mean just sort of believe, but it means believe it. And confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Go to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, and that's where it's going to tell you that. If you'll do those things from the heart, then the Bible says you will be saved. You'll be born again is is the term Jesus used. And, And things are going to change inwardly, and then things can change outwardly. And if you were to do that, if you did that just now, if you're thinking, I, I think I might want to do that, once you do that, or even before you do that, go find yourself a Bible-believing, godly-living church And they'll help you uh, get into this life because it's a whole different kind of life. And that's part of what we're talking about. I believe that the word of God to me for this year to share with people is that God has invested in us tremendous potential. And we've talked a lot about what potential means and, and how it works, but we need to just understand that there's more to us than meets the eye. Whatever you are on the outside, whatever you are where you live right now, there's more to you than that, and God has invested this tremendous potential, but what we are seeing is that potential does not flow from our natural life, but it flows from another place. It flows from the supernatural place where God lives and from which everything we see was created. God created all this. This this did not create God, uh, despite what uh, uh, humanism and other things would uh, try and tell you. The world did not create God. Man did not create God. God created everything that is, and there is another power that's available to us, that comes from someplace other than this natural world, other than our natural abilities, other than our natural gifts. And we learned about the children of Israel and their journey from Egypt and slavery to Canaan and destiny and freedom, I believe is a type of the journey of the Christian from bondage to freedom in Christ. And And there are transitional times, things that happen along the way. But one thing about that journey beginning with their deliverance, beginning with God bringing Moses, and ending with them coming into the promised land across the, the Jordan River, God parted the Jordan River, everything in there was supernatural. There were, They were a totally supernatural people. There was nothing in the natural that they could have done to, uh, to accomplish what happened in their lives, bringing them to Canaan. And then when they got to Canaan, the first thing they faced was Jericho, and that required a supernatural Miracle for them to get into the promised land. Now, I said this to you before, and I want to reiterate this. We are not the, or let me say this the words, I'll get it straight, the words spectacular and supernatural are not interchangeable. You know, as we look at the journey of Israel and we see the parting of the Red Sea, the ten plagues, uh, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, all those things were by nature spectacular, but spectacular is not the only kind of supernatural there is. Certainly the supernatural can be spectacular. Healing the Sixth, sick can be pretty spectacular. The things Jesus did, turn water to wine, walked on water in a storm, calmed the seas, all of that is very spectacular. But there is a a, a non-spectacular uh, side to the supernatural. I, I kind of like to call it the normal supernatural or the everyday supernatural, and that is that God in, uh, desired for them to live in Canaan, as a supernatural people, once they got there, now God promised them they'd live in houses they didn't build, uh, eat from vineyards they didn't plant, fields they did not sow. But there was going to come a time where they were going to have to build new houses, and next year they were going to have to sow again, and maybe they would need new vineyards. And so it wasn't like everything in their life was going from one supernaturally spectacular miracle to the other. Once they got to Canaan, now in the wilderness it kind of was that way, but. Once they got to Canaan, they were living in a supernatural land, and it was the supernatural nature of that land and of who they were because they were called of God that that they were supposed to live in. So it was the everyday supernatural. Everything that they did was supposed to be supernatural. They were to be a supernatural people, and they were given a supernatural law to live by. They were supposed to live on a different plane, and whenever they did, God blessed them. Whenever they operated that way, And kept the law and walked in what God gave them to stay supernatural with, then they were successful. They were prosperous. They had victory over their enemies. When they didn't, they ended up uh, uh, in captivity and defeated. And so they were supposed to be a supernatural people. And it's an interesting thing about where Canaan was at that time. Canaan was on the crossroads between, uh, between the East and the Western world as it was at that time. Uh, and the population centers in the East and the population centers in the West, uh, all ranging around the Roman Empire... And uh, so everybody that came from the east, I can't say, I guess, everybody, but a great many of them went through Canaan. And when they were going to the east, a great many of them went through Canaan. It was a crossroad in the world that was of that day. I, I believe that God put those people in that place and what his desire was. Now, listen to me. This is going to become important in a minute. What his desire was is that they should be a beacon of this supernatural God, a people that couldn't be there to begin with, a people who couldn't have been set free from Egypt, a people who couldn't have defeated Egypt to the point where Egypt was no longer a problem to them, Uh, a people who lived uh, with a supernatural touch on their crops, uh, supernatural... A uh, 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 victory in their wars just read the stories when they were following God there was something different about Israel and I believe that was what God wanted for them to be right in the middle of the world so that certainly when the Messiah would be born to them he would be right there in that crossroads but all through the ages before that God was showing them there is a different kind of God. Hallelujah. Those people worship many gods for many reasons. Most of the time, it was to appease the gods. More often, people... In in multi-theistic, I don't know if that's the right word, but those who worship many gods, they worship the ones that are the destroyers more than the ones that are the blessers because they believe that they've got to appease those gods to keep bad things from happening. And God wanted to show the world that there was a God of love, a God who, if you just walked right before him, now certainly Israel had laws, but the, the laws were not there to keep God from doing bad things. The laws were there to to enable Israel to walk in God's blessing. And so uh, when they did, they were a supernatural people. Nobody could defeat them. They were supernaturally wealthy. When it talked about Solomon, it said that he had so much Silver that it was like dunes in the back of his palace or or somewhere out there, and and they didn't really need it because they had so much gold. Why? Not because they were just great business people, not because they conquered everybody, because they were supernaturally blessed of God. That was God's purpose for Israel. That's what it meant, really, to be the apple of God's eye, that they were to be a supernatural people but living in the midst of the natural world. So, as I was praying about this, and this really, I I shared this message um, actually in 2014. I'll tell you how many years ago, and God had dealt with me about it for our church. But I feel like God is bringing it back to me, and you know the word of God is the word of God all the time, and it doesn't matter whether you, it's been preached before everything has been preached before. The word is the word. And I believe this is what God is saying to me, and it's what I want to convey to you. Is there a New Testament parallel to this? Is there something in the New Testament that we can read, that we can see, that tells us that we as the church, we're we're the spiritual Israel. Is there something that tells us that particular truth, that we really are supposed to be a supernatural people living right here in the natural world? And as we look at this, the scripture that God led me to a very familiar scripture, John chapter 17, and we're going to read momentarily verses 14 through 16, but let me just point out or remind us, John chapter 17 is a prayer that Jesus prayed at the end of the Last Supper. He had spent that time with his disciples. He had he had uh, shown them the reality of communion, the, the blood of the new covenant, he said, and that's what communion is all about. It's not about something else. It is the covenant meal for the new covenant that Jesus cut in God, or that Jesus established in between he and God and opened up for uh, the people of the world. And so uh, he had done that, and he was, they were going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. They hadn't done that yet. But in, after, at the end of that meal, he prays a prayer. And this is the last prayer. He prays for the church, prays for his disciples. We know in verse 9, it says, I don't pray this prayer just for you. I pray those this prayer for everybody that these people will touch in the future. And, and directly or indirectly, that means all of us. He's praying for the church here. He's not just praying for these 12 people in this room or 11 people at that point. No, I guess there were 12 because they replaced Judas. Anyway, he wasn't just praying for those people. He was praying for you and I as well. And so as we look at this prayer, we need to take special uh, interest. We need to look at it very, uh, very uh, um, deeply and, and ma- realize how important it is. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. And so as we read it, I'm just going to read a few verses of it. There's so much more to it, and we'll get into some of it later, I think. But uh, for today, I want to read this this section. It says, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Now, you know, the Bible says in in 1 Peter chapter 1 that we are born again of an incorruptible seed, and that is the word of God. Jesus gave us his word. Jesus released the word of God, the living word of God, into the world in a way that had never been released before. And when we receive that word, we are born again. That's the seed that causes the new birth in, in the heart of, of Christians or in, in the heart of humanity to cause them to be a part of God's, God's family. And he says to them, the world will hate you. Listen, I have bad news for you. There was a teaching, and I think that to some degree that has resurfaced maybe in a different way, and I, you know, I don't believe there's anything more important for us to display to the world than the love of God. And I believe the love of God is at the center of everything that Christianity is. I believe the love of God as portrayed in Jesus' life and taught to his disciples is the very thing that turned the world upside down in the first century. That said, there is this kind of underlying idea that if we just are really loving to people, they're going to like us. They're not. Some will come to know Jesus. Some will be indifferent. Some may like us on a surface level, but the world. Now, the what is the world? I, I, I say this often because I think people don't understand. The world is not the people in the world. The world is the system that controls the world. In Nazi Germany, it wasn't the German people that were the problem. It was the system that was controlling them, and many of those people bought into that system and became a problem. We live in the world. That is the system that took control after the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. Many people tend to be influenced by the world, but the people are not our enemy. That said, again, although that's the truth, no matter how nice we are to them, no matter how much we show them the love of God, Jesus said this very clearly. They, uh, the, the world has hated them because of of the word that God, that Jesus gave us. And he said uh, in another place, as they've hated me, they're going to hate you or hate them. He's praying for them and he's really talking about us. So as they've hated you, as this world system hated Jesus, the world system will hate us or will hate the church as well. That's what we're seeing today. It's it's like it's been unleashed on the church. Everywhere you go, the church is looked down upon. We're, we're thought of as, as angry and 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 really, in a sense, evil or hateful, at least intolerant. We're stuck in old ways that really don't matter. We believe in a book that's intolerant. That's just uh, I don't know how they came up with this, but the Bible is just written for white people. wasn't even written by white people. Hallelujah! But uh, you know that it's just a white man's book, a white man's religion. None of that is true, particularly when we're talking about the Bible. There's a whole lot of stuff that grew up in in the, the, the as Christian religion developed, but we're talking about the book. We're talking about the Bible. We're talking about a living relationship with Jesus Christ. That is far different than just the Christian religion. Anyway, he says to them that the world will hate them. Then he makes this statement because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, other translations say part of the world or something to that nature. I really like this translation translation, (laughs) Uh, because it says they are not, he's praying for the church, he's praying for us. We are not of this world. I want to define that for you uh, in terms of something that I have personal experience with that made this very clear to me. I do a lot of travel in foreign countries. Sometimes I stay for a good bit of time in those countries, and when I do, Kenya is the one we're most focused on right now. And when I go to Kenya, I'll stay there two and a half or about two months, month and a half to two months. While I am there, I live in Kenya. I have a place to stay in Kenya. I love the people of Kenya. I I, I do the work that God has called me to do there. I do it wholeheartedly. One of the the things that when you travel, you need to understand is you can't spend all of your time pining for what you have in America. I have a dear friend. He's over 90 years old now and been to 215 countries, I think. And he likes to say, if you if you uh, if you want it to be like America, stay in America, because ain't nobody no place like the United States of America. That's not to say good or bad. That's just to say different. And so the one thing that I learned is you can't pine uh, for home all the time you're there. You got to be there. I've got to be in Kenya. I've got to eat Kenyan food. I, sometimes I fudge on that a little bit, but I've got to I've got to uh, not participate in all of their customs or traditions. Christians because many of them are ungodly. I won't do that. I won't be ungodly just to fit in with them. I'm not going to, you know, some of the some of the things they do, witchcraft and and witch doctors are a very real thing to them. I'm not going to participate in that culture because that's not who I am. But if I'm in Kenya, I'm going to live. I'm going to work. I'm going to love those people. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to make a life for myself, at least for those that that month and a half when I'm there in Kenya. But I'm not of Kenya. I was not born of Kenyan soil. My family is not in Kenya. My wealth is not in Kenya. My house is not in Kenya. My personal bed is not in Kenya. All of that is in America. I am in Kenya, but I am not of Kenya. I I fellowship with the Kenyans. I love the Kenyan people. Many things about their culture I love. Uh, The ungodly things I don't, uh, but I'm there. And so when I'm there, I am in Kenya and I work in Kenya, loving Kenya, flow in Kenya. D- do my finances in Kenya, though I connect to my bank at home. That's an interesting thing. I go to an ATM machine in Kenya today. It's very, very so different from when I started traveling. I go to the ATM machine in Kenya and I type in my my uh, my uh, PIN and uh, put in my card and type in my PIN, and it goes and talks to my bank in in Green New York and I say, I want $500, oh, the limit's four. So I want $400, and my bank in Green, New York, sends to, to the bank there in Kenya where I put my card in that machine, uh, information saying, go ahead and give him $400, and that machine spits out $400 to me, hallelujah. I have a connection, oh, come on, listen to me. I have a connection to a place in another country, really another world, where I can draw my wealth from that place to be used in the place where I am, in this case, Kenya. And so this is a very interesting dynamic. And, and if you read this, Jesus says, you the, the world hates them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He said, the, the world hated me too, because I am not of this world. And as I thought about this in Kenya, I thought, you know what? That's exactly what it means in this verse that I am not of this world. I, I although I was born of this world, I was reborn of another world. I was reborn in the spirit. My home is in heaven. Uh, like there's an old story uh, song, rather by a guy by the name of Larry Norman. Some of you may remember. Many of you won't have any idea who who he was, but he was a pioneer in contemporary Christian music, and he had a song saying, "I'm not of this world. I'm just passing through." <laughs> and you know to a degree that's true now while i'm here i love the people around me i do the work that god calls me to do i create a life for myself here and of course there is a somewhat of a difference in that my wealth is here and my and my my bed is here and all that and yet just like my bank in the United States can send my, my finances to Kenya, my bank in heaven. You know, when I deposit, when I give, there is a deposit made in my bank in heaven. Hallelujah. And when I need it, God has shown me over and over and over and over again that he can supply even my needs from heaven. Hallelujah. So we are not of this world. If you have been born again, there is an aspect of who and what you are that has nothing to do with this world. We are of the, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, I I have I am uh, my ruler is the king of kings and the lord of lords. As I when I live here, I'll obey their laws absolutely. The Bible teaches me to do that and respect the authorities that are here. But I also know that I have a higher authority. That I'm part of another kingdom. I am part of the kingdom of God. Now he says to them. I do not pray in in verse fifteen. He says to the Father, "I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one." Then he restates this other statement he made once: "They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world." When he says that twice, that's really important. We need to take notice. But right in the middle of those two statements, he says, "I'm not praying, God. I don't, Father. I don't want you to take them out of the world." but just protect them from the evil one while they're in the world. So what does that tell us? What have we been studying about uh, about Israel? What did we learn? The fact that everything, their whole deliverance was supernatural. Their deliverer, Moses, was supernatural. Well, we have a deliverer, his name is Jesus, and he was born supernaturally. He lived supernaturally. He died supernaturally. He was raised from the dead supernaturally. Everything about Christianity goes back to this supernatural incident. And uh, so when we're born again, our new birth, we're not changing religions, we're not changing doctrine, we're not changing philosophy we have been born again, hallelujah that means something supernatural happened to me I think this is so important I, I feel like the church is sliding into a dependence on the natural but everything about the church everything that from, uh, from which the church is derived, what makes the church the church, it's not what organization you join, it's the that you have been born again and vitally joined with God Almighty and the Holy Ghost lives in you. And so everything about it. Now, I believe in being filled with the Holy Ghost is a secondary uh, experience that there is there is something more that God does in us when we're filled with the Holy Ghost. That's supernatural. Uh, the, the, when Paul was was uh, going into uh, Corinth and that was a terrible city, a hard place to go. He said, I don't come to you with natural wisdom. I don't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom, but I come to you knowing nothing, determining to know nothing but Jesus and, and him crucified. And I come to you with a demonstration of the spirit and of power. Paul looked at Corinth and said, this place is a mess. It was as bad or worse than our world is. And Paul said, in order to reach this place, I need a demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God. And all of that is supernatural. We have access to a world that is not, does not flow from this world. We have access to a power. We have access to resources. We have access to relationship that is not of this world. And yet, he says to us, or he prays for us, God, don't take him out. Don't take them out of the world, but Lord, let them live as supernatural people in the natural world. That's exactly what he asked Israel to do, and they failed. Had they been able to continue in that, I believe possibly history could have been different. I don't know, but, uh, but they did not do it. They, uh, time and time again, they, they decided to lean to the natural instead of the supernatural. One of the things we have to be careful of is we as a church learn how to do things that look supernatural, but they really only flow from the natural. For instance, let me give you this example. I know how to preach the word. I know how to speak publicly. I know how to stir up people's emotions. I know how to give them things that can help them, good information, good teaching, good analogies. I know how to do that. God has helped me learn how to do it, but I'm 68 years old now. I know how to do that. And over and over again, We have seen people, and this has been true in my life, where, you know, you're believing for something more. You're believing that God's going to do something, and sometimes we get so caught up in what we think it should look like that we, we don't realize that God has been moving supernaturally all around us, but sometimes we can get disappointed. Sometimes we can think, you know, I've been believing for healing, believing for miracles, believing for the church to grow, believing for all these things, and it just hasn't happened, and I haven't seen the supernatural, but, you know, these natural things that I'm doing are working. Uh if we get a good organization, nothing wrong with having a good organization. If we get our finances straight, nothing wrong with getting your finances straight. You should be totally above board with your finances. But if you think that you're going to do the work of God simply because you you handle your money correctly, then you're not really where God wants you to be because in my experience, he always wants you to be in a place where you couldn't afford to do it no matter what. And and I have many uh, examples in my life and, and a ministries far bigger than mine. They are constantly out beyond what they can do the natural and God has to provide. Well, if you get so comfortable with being able to do things in the natural, and it looks like that's successful, and it is successful to a degree, then very often we see people just give up on the supernatural. Whole denominations that if you read their history, they started out in a demonstration of power, in a supernatural flow that came from Almighty God. And then after a while, those things waned, they weren't there the way they were, you go on a few generations, and it just gets easier to Become a good, naturally religious organization that's given people good information, good teaching, good instruction, encouraging them maybe to live right. And sometimes it degrades so far that it doesn't even bother encouraging people to live right. You'll find out that uh, after a while, well, homosexuality, God says it's an abomination, but He didn't really mean that. Uh, uh, Fornication, sex outside of marriage, well, that's okay. You know, I mean, everybody does it, so it must be all right. Well, it's not all right. None of those things are all right. And I'm not just picking on those kinds of things. There's lists and lists, but I'm running out of time, and so I need to to, to just focus on things that we that are obvious. But you know they're not all right, and so we as the, the more we allow the natural to become uh, the, the 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 easy to become the naturally easy things, the organization just doing good works, all that kind of stuff. They're all good. There's nothing wrong with that. But all of those things should have the touch of the supernatural. We're going to talk about that, I think, next time. But all of those things should have the touch of the supernatural. And uh, and instead, when we give up on it, it degrades to the point where we look less and less different from the world. Jesus said, you are not of this world world, but you are of another world. I believe that we must separate from the activities that are sinful or will lead us to compromise our Christian character or witness. That's true. Uh, in Kenya, like I said, they witch doctors, we don't you know that sounds funny to us in the United States. It is very real there. Uh, and and people, there's a lot of mixture in in Christianity that they practice uh, where they bring in the practices of of the ancestors and things of that nature, and I, I can't participate in that, and we can't, we have to teach those people not to participate in that, and sometimes that's difficult because it can cost them in their culture if they don't, but it's just wrong. You just can't. You cannot mix God and, the, and, and the, the negative supernatural, if you will. And that's what they're looking for. They're looking for supernatural. They're not looking for natural. And so people will mix those things, and we can't do that. But what we also cannot do, sometimes, uh, in my initial experience with Spirit-filled people, Pentecostal people, charismatic people, it seemed like we were trying as hard as we could to have nothing to do with anything in the world, and so in that way, we almost developed an Amish-like Uh, separation where we said we are not even going to be around the world. We don't want anything to do with the world. The problem is the world is the system, but in the world are people, and those are the very people that you and I are supposed to be touching. What is it we're supposed to do? We're not supposed to separate ourselves from the world. What good is the supernatural if it's stuck in the church? What we're supposed to do is get out there in the world. Jesus said, Lord, don't take them out of the world, but while they're in the world, protect them from the evil one because they're not of the world. We need to be people who are supernatural people, people who are not just limited to what can happen or what flows from this world, and we need to become supernatural people right in the midst of the world where we live. We're going to talk about what that means more, but that's exactly what God was saying to Israel. That's what it meant to be the apple of his eye, to be a supernatural people here in the natural world, supernatural in our behavior, supernatural in our resistance to sin, yes, supernatural in our integrity, supernatural in our honesty, and then flowing from all of that supernatural uh, thinking and, and, and lifestyle that, that connects to God, supernatural in our marriages, supernatural in our child rearing. That doesn't always uh, look spectacular, but from that we will begin to see, I believe, healings and miracles and signs and wonders that will begin to get people's attention. That won't save them, but it will get their attention so we can tell them, let me introduce you to the source, the supernatural God that lives in my life and that has saved me from in eternity separated from him. Let me introduce you to Jesus. That's the bottom line. That's what this is all about. And that's what we're going to develop and look in our own lives and say, how can we be that kind of people? Well, praise God, I have gone past my time. But you know what? It doesn't really matter. I believe God is saying something to us. But take a few minutes, read through John 17 and see if it doesn't speak to you in many, many areas, but certainly in this area. God bless you. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you again soon. This podcast is an outreach of Living Word International, a division of Intercession Ministries. If you'd like to contact us, please email livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. That's livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. Have a great day.